In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Dale, every personal and relational problem I have in my life, every single one goes back to apathy. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. From Men in the Arena, it's Equipping Men in 10. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we We salute salute you. you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. This is Equipping Men in 10, and I'm Jim Ramos, here with my brother from another mother, Dale Culver. How you doing, man? I'm doing excellent, brother. Okay, my brother. I don't know, man. Brother, okay. I, I guess I called you my brother from another mother. You did, so I shouldn't react that way. <laughs> so anyway, hey man, want to tell our guys? Hey again, guys, listen. Jesus is the famous one. He's asked you to be the hero in your story as he directs you. So we want to hear you. Send, we want to hear your hero stories. We want to hear you. Send us stories about how God is using this ministry to impact your family, your life, and your community. And we celebrate that. We just we know that when God does that, when a man gets it, everyone wins. And he's putting you on this pedestal on display. He does it so you can put him on display. That's why we do this thing. So don't get all weirded out. He's the famous one, but he's putting you on display to make him famous. He is putting you on that table to be a light and to shine your light forward. So we want to hear those stories, guys, sending them to us. Uh, We'd love to celebrate that with you. Honestly, that's our why. Our why is for you to change your world. In fact, that's the the book I have out right now, Strong Men, Dangerous Times, Five Essentials Every Man Must Be to Possess to Change His World. And so we have already gone through the first essential last week, and we walked through uh, our BVOM, our best version assessment. It's not called BVOM. It's called the best version assessment, but we call it BVOM because we're lazy and, and it's shorter. So anyway, so what we did last week, we walked you through those uh, four subcategories straight out of the pastoral epistles. And today we're going to run into our essential number two, and we're going to walk you through four more subcategories found in the pastoral epistles. I hope you're not confused. But before we do, Dale, do you have a man law for us? Yeah, I'd like to say this, guys. You know what? Driving instructors will say, both hands on the wheel, and you're not supposed to be lounging back, one leg up on the dash, you got your pinky on the wheel, because if you have to maneuver quickly and be ready, you're not going to be ready, and bad things are going to happen. The same thing goes with your family, both hands on the wheel. 
be ready, be proactive, be engaged, and be ready for anything that's going to come your way when you're leading your family. Yeah, that's good, man. Well, and for you when you're driving, if your pinky's on the steering wheel, that you may injure your pinky so that when you're drinking tea, Dale, you can't put that pinky out. Dude, so that's for you huge, personally, that's huge. For you personally, you got to get that pinky off the steering wheel because you might injure your tea pinky. My tea pinky. <laughs> your tea pinky. That's right. <laughs> but I think you're right, man. Both hands on the wheel. In other words, know where your family's going. Have control over the big picture of your family. That's right. You know, when my kids hit their 20s, I'm going to be really honest, three sons. Uh, the boys are a little slower spiritually coming around the girls. When my boys hit my, the 20s, a couple of them kind of had some hiccups along the way. Uh, but, you know, we need to realize that the big picture is the 20s are an interesting time when kids who are raised in churches go on their own. And so be patient. Continue to direct, continue to see the big picture, keep both hands on the wheel. Man, my kids are all coming around. It's just wonderful to, you know, have my oldest son saying, Dad, text me every night to remember, remind me to read my Bible that I gave him my old Bible from when I was in my 20s. Mm. So he's reading all my notes, you know, to, awesome. to have these things, you know, and Colton telling me, Dad, I think I'm going to go this summer as an intern with wildlife and be a wildlife volunteer, which is young life. Yeah. And, you know, to he's going to work as a camp, you know, director there and or something like that. And then, you know, looking at my son Darby to actually hire him in an admin role. You know, it's just really fun to kind of see your kids as they mature to come back around in their faith. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So that's really good stuff. We just need to be encouraged by that, guys. If you've got wayward kids, man, keep your hands on the wheel. Mm-hmm. Smile when you see them. Say sure a lot. Remember that old podcast? And just keep <laughs> loving them. They're going to come around. So, hey, I want to dive into the meat of the podcast. So last week we covered the first essential. Today we're going to talk about the second essential. This is found in my new book, Strong Men, Dangerous Times. It is available on Amazon. It, and we, man, guys, please uh, buy the book and write a review. The review is almost more important than the book. Uh, we really need to gra- grab attention of uh, Amazon and grab some traction there. And we're going to be pushing really, really hard for this in May. But right now it's available, so go check it out. So guys, so again, we're, we're coupling our five essentials with the 20 qualifications of a biblical elder as found in the pastoral epistles, and we've taken those qualifications and we've broken them into one-word positive descriptions because in the pastoral epistles, a lot of these descriptions are multiple words and they're in the negative, not contentious, not pugnacious, not addicted to much wine. So we've taken those and put them into one word. And so today we're going to talk about our second essential And this essential is fighting apathy. So if you imagine a mountain climb, protecting integrity is a trailhead, fighting apathy is the climb. And this, in my opinion, Dale, fighting apathy of all five essentials of manhood, fighting apathy is the greatest battle a man will fight. And we see it over and over again. If you are anonymous, it's because of apathy. If you are in an unhealthy marriage, it is most likely because of apathy. If you are estranged from your children, it is because of apathy. If you are not raising the children you fathered, it is because of apathy. If you are obese, it is because of apathy. If you are addicted with with whatever substance, it's because at some point you are apathetic towards that. On and on and on. Dale, every personal and relational problem I have in my life, every single one goes back to apathy. Yes, it started with a choice. 
But over time, but those choices were based out of apathy, and the inability or unwillingness to fix them were based out of apathy. Apathy has been the greatest battle in my life. And so I want to talk to these guys about apathy. And what I want to do today, guys, is this. Now, when you think of climbing up a mountain, you got to think of resistance. You have to think of gravity. You have to think of friction. So when we climb, we are battling all of these things. This is why I wear socks uh, that, that are, that are um, not cotton, and I wear shoes that are, are fit right to prevent friction. That is why uh, I try to travel light when I climb. It is because of friction. All of these things, that's why I'll work, use trekking poles. It's to overcome the resistance, right? So all of these things, as a man, <clears throat> we battle all of these forces trying to push us down. And in our world today, there are so many forces trying to push a man back down the mountain. Mm-hmm. The pastoral epistles list four qualities that I believe if a man possesses these four things, he will be far along the road in battling apathy. And the first one is found in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2. Can you read it? Now the overseer must be above reproach, the husband of but one wife. So the word we chose there, Dale, is the word faithful. We almost mm-hmm. picked the word fidelity, but it's just not a word we use that much anymore, right? So faithful. Are you a faithful man? Are you faithful to your wife? Here are the two assessing statements, guys. Number one, I follow strict moral boundaries to ensure my fidelity. So we call those guardrails, guys. Uh, in fact, my last equipping blast, we we produced my 10 marriage-saving guardrails. You can find that on our website right now at meninthearena.org, and it's going to be on a forward slash equipping docs. So you can find that there, guys. I, I, I never meet uh, alone in closed window room, whatever, with a woman. I will, ca- I will meet with a woman one time, one time only, open door, open window, open everything. I will never, however, meet with a woman in public, ever. I won't do it, unless it's my wife. I will never uh, make coarse jokes. I will never badmouth my wife. I will never uh, touch a woman, like even in a place that could be misconstrued, hand on the shoulder. I just don't, I don't do those things. And people say, well, that's offensive. I go, I don't care about offending any other woman on this planet. I care about Shanna. Mm-hmm. So we have built, so do you have, and how many guys do we know that said, oh, I can't do these guardrails? I, we have a friend who is a vice president of a huge insurance company. He is the vice president of the whole company, and all of you have heard of this company. And he has built these guardrails into his marriage. He's been married over 30 years. And I'm just going to tell you, his name's Tim Harris. The guy's a stud. If a vice president of an insurance company can do it, you can do it. So stop making your stupid excuses and build guardrails. Yep. Number two, my wife should. My wife would say that I consider her the most important person to me. I had a guy ask me about my bumper sticker the other day. What does it mean on your bumper sticker? It says, wife is greater than kids. I said, exactly it means that it she's means. a, that she, if I have to take a bullet, I'm going to take a bullet for her and not the kids. The kids will grow up in a healthy environment if they know the world does not revolve around them. They will grow up understanding their place in the home if they realize it's God, married couple, kids. And that's what my sons know. And it's healthy for them to know that. 
the problem is in first and second marriages and these guys give their wife the my kids are more important than you speech well, that's a recipe for disaster and honestly it's stupid and not biblical so number two is found in titus 1 7 and also first timothy 3 3 you're oh you're a good you're, you're a scholar in First Timothy three three it says not given to drunkenness. So the word we pick there, guys, is moderation or moderate. Are you moderate in your consumption of beverages, foods? Are you moderate in how you handle things? In other words, number one, the assessing statement here is there is no food, drink, or foreign substance that has mastery over me. Do you have the ability to say no? For years, I woke up at night between 10 and 6 in the morning and ate. For years. I mean, when I mean eight, I mean 500 to 1,000 calories. In the last year, that is gone from my life. It never happens. So I can say no to that. So that does not have mastery over me anymore. So is there anything in your life that has mastery over you? And I guess you could put pornography in here. Yeah. You could put exercise in here. You could put hobbies in here. Your job. Your job in here. Are you moderate? So the context, though, the context in this passage is substances, right? Uh, number two, I am not overweight for my age, body type, and weight. That's a simple one. This one's really easy under moderate. Are you fat? <laughs> then you struggle with being moderate in your food intake or your drinking intake. Or I know a lot of guys go, I hardly ever drink, but I drink. I go and drink uh, you know, four frilly coffees with 800 calories a pop every day. Well, that's why you're fat. Or I drink a 12-pack of diet of Coke every day. Well, that's why you're fat. That's body shaming. Yeah, so body shaming. <laughs> the new weight loss factor. Anyway, so number two, number 3, so we have moderate, faithful. Again, these are all things about fighting apathy. You see the marriage component, do you see the body component? The next one, the third one is found in 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 3. And that one is not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome. So not quarrelsome. Are, and the word we picked here, guys, is are you a peacemaker? Are you somebody who makes the peace, or do you sit back as a gutless coward and let unhealthy leaders and unhealthy people run rampant in your churches, in your business? Or are you willing to make the peace, not keep the peace? Mm-hmm. Keep the peace is cowardly. It's shutting your mouth when you see unhealthy behavior. We see this all the time in the a lot of the mega churches, right, that are controlled by one dominant leader, yes man. That yes man is a peacekeeper. He's a gutless coward. He's not a peacemaker. Number here here are the two assessing statements. People tell me that I am a team player who works well with others. Is that you? One to five. The second one is this. When I have a problem with someone, I go to them instead of ignoring it. Edwin Bur- Edmund Burke said Evil prevails when good men do nothing. Mm-hmm. That good men do nothing, that is a peacekeeper, not a peacemaker, because when evil rears its head, good men do something. Number four is found in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 6. It is similar to moderate, but it's different, and I'll explain how in a second. Now the overseer must be above reproach, the husband of but one wife, temperate, self-controlled. So self-controlled, again, now this is similar to moderate. Moderate deals with food, alcohol, tobacco, anything you put in your body, right? Right. Disciplined has to do with having control over your life, right? Over your schedule, over your words, 
over your uh, relationships, having discipline. So here are the here are the two assessing statements for discipline. I want you guys to rank yourself. I exercise at least three or four times a week. Now, for those of you who have physically demanding jobs, you probably don't have to answer this, but are you breaking a sweat three or four times a week? Dale and I work in front of computers, so I have to go work out. We have to work out three or four days a week, right? So is that... So as I as we record this podcast, it's a Thursday, and I've worked out three days so far. So I'm on task to hit my five days a week of exercise. Number two, I do not engage in gossip or negative talk. So again, this is discipline, right? So am I disciplined over my tongue? So these are the things we're talking about, guys. So guys, these are the four areas, being faithful, being moderate, being a peacemaker, being disciplined, these four fall under fighting apathy, which is the second of five essentials that you need to change your world. Dale, drive us home, brother. Yeah, man, we want you to head on over to our website at menintherena.org and pick up your free electronic version of Jim's book. Until next time, fill the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out. And... Be a man. Equipping men in 10 from Men in the Arena. If you hunger to be your best version, join us with thousands of men from around the world in one of our Men in the Arena forums. Join the forums on either Facebook or on the website at meninthearena.org. Thank you for listening to this episode of Equipping Men in 10 from Men in the Arena. Remember, when a man gets it, everyone wins. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men's from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.